Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Mom. First things first, thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Fernando. Hola, Ben. And Travis Irvine. Hola, Ben. Travis Irvine, I hope you're ready to tell our audience all the knowledge you have about the United States presidents. Woohoo! We're going to get into it. It's President's Day weekend. Hope you got a new mattress because your mattress <laughs> right now is covered in God knows who, whatever you want to put in there. Ukraine. Whoa, it's covered in Crimea. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, that is a great place to start when it comes to presidents. Well, I guess when it comes to war, we can't have a war without a president. That's right. true. And right now, Ukraine doesn't have a president. As a matter of fact, Vladimir Zelensky, he left the country. Oh, uh, great. And it looks like uh, perhaps, according to multiple sources, an invasion by Putin in Ukraine is imminent. Joe Biden, and you can trust everything he says. Unless, of course, <laughs> he's trying to pick out pants. Yes, right. <laughs> Sir, Sir, those the, are shorts. Those aren't pants. <laughs> Sir. Corn pup. Engineer. And all of this now heightening as Putin. It looks like perhaps a false flag took place as there were two blasts heard in eastern Ukraine mm. just hours after a car bomb saw a massive evacuation of 700,000 civilians from the region. So that's mm. the backdrop, mm. the role of the president. We make fun of the presidents, but my goodness, when they want to uh, turn up the heat, whoa, they are in charge of the stove. And that's why it's very important who we elect to the most powerful office in the land. But we'll keep you up to date on what's going on with Russia, Ukraine, the United States, as these uh, geopolitical events unfurl in front of our eyes. But now, mm. let's get into the mind of Travis Irvine. The first thing I need you to prove to me uh -huh. is that you know all 45 presidents backwards and forwards. 46. <laughs> There's 46 mm -hmm. now, yes. And I do know all them all frontwards. Or backwards. Do you want to do that to the audience? I would like to do that to the audience, just in honor of President's Day. And as we mentioned, you know, there's a, a war is starting, and there's nothing yep. more American or historical than war, because that's how our country started. That's Yay. how our country started, full circle, almost like we've never gotten out. <laughs> they of never war. stopped fighting. <laughs> Welcome to Jay Leno's uh, show here. It's the Tonight Show. I sound like Alex Jones. We have with us a really special <laughs> child. Jay uh, Leno. Jay Leno is more bobble. Yeah. Uh, 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 Hi, very, I'm Jay Leno. Uh, very interesting uh, skill that uh, young man has here. 
Well, see, mm. you're, but now you got to be the smart one. <laughs> okay, so now right. I have to now I have to do the impressions. So I have to interview myself. No, as well, basically, <laughs> well, no, I'm going to be Jay Leno as Alex Jones on the Tonight Show. You're a child. Perfect. All right, wow. folks, welcome to comedians in cars getting Seinfeld coffee. I'm Jay Leno. <laughs> uh, with me is a child. Now, what does it make this child special? He knows all the presidents most kids are stupid <laughs> not this one here that we have on the on the tomorrow show uh-huh. uh it's the news that happens in the morning when you haven't fallen asleep it's called the tomorrow where it's yeah. tomorrow but it's also the morning but I you've like been that. up all night right like, so right it's so it's today. the morning show <laughs> uh we got this kid with us now kid you know all the presidents you want to list them um from the most recent to the first i think we should start at the beginning you want oh interesting child. It seems like you're taking over yeah. the uh, okay, you want to start with I know the first one. I'll give it to you. It's a freebie. It's George Washington. Whoa. Yeah, take it from there, kid. How'd you know that, man? Well, folks, <laughs> I was on InfoWars the other day. Okay. Uh, no, I actually just <laughs> okay. know that because I uh I'm tall. Uh, it's impressive. Tall if you do the Alex Jones impression for the whole show, I can usually only do it for two minutes. Well, here's the throat, because it's not a natural <laughs> way of speaking. It's, it's really, almost like yeah. uh, it's almost like he's a con man. Um, much like that woman who, uh, Theranos, you Theranos. Know, <laughs> if a person can't tell you their real voice, most likely all the information they're conveying to you is also dog shit. But anyway, we've got this kid with us. All right. Here George we go. George Washington. Right. Who's number two. All right. 1788, 1792. The new American continent is looking for a leader. They go with a war hero named George Washington. Got it. it. Was they gave you that crazy. one. All right. Second present. 1796, a man named John Adams runs because uh, Washington sets the standard. He's like, I'm doing okay. two terms and then I'm stepping away. And John Adams runs against Thomas Jefferson. Back then, the uh, the first place guy got to be president and yep. the guy who got second place was vice president. So it was very tumultuous Ooh. times. Jefferson mm. was of the anti-federalist Virginia wing and uh, John Adams was of the pro-federalist Massachusetts wing, who basically had created the country. It is a little bit sad that we didn't keep that tradition Trump and Hillary in the White oh, House together. That would have been yeah, so Donald, fun. get it's, that is my sandwich. <laughs> right. There's your sandwich. He's just constantly trying to poison his Diet Coke. Oh, that'll be <laughs> just great. AIDS dropping dead every day. Oh. But yeah, that's how it used to be. And yeah. of course, in 1800, Jefferson and Adams had a rematch. And that at that point, Thomas Jefferson won be- to become our third president. Uh-huh. Let me look at my United- let me look right. at my program here. Get you are correct. correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, at this point, King George III, still alive, still bitter about the American Revolution. Oh. From England said, let's watch what Adams does. He thought Adams would hang on to power and wouldn't step away for the peaceful transfer of power. But indeed, Adams mm-hmm. did. He went back to Massachusetts. Well, and him and Thomas Jefferson stayed friends till their dying days. Isn't that exciting? They held held hands in hospice, perhaps. Absolutely. Oh. Isn't that important to remember? George Washington didn't want to be president. Which right. was a great thing because yeah. he was like, I got to get the frick away from you, psychopath. Yes. It's yeah. important because detail. It's yes. an important detail because he didn't have to. And right. it set the precedent that mm-hmm. then obviously the Constitution, we scribbled it in there that you get two terms tops. Yeah. But what a scary um, world we'd live in if that wasn't the case. I know. And it's also <coughs> just. <coughs> right. Putin. Thank you. Putin. Whoa. Washington. Also warned against political parties, oh. and he warned against entangling foreign alliances, which could drag us mm. into other wars unnecessarily. Well, so. we 
did not listen to no, that. No, no, we did <laughs> no, the opposite did of everything he said. <laughs> okay, in fact. fantastic. So, yeah. so during Jefferson's administration, actually, that's what? when it became the norm for a vice president and president to run together. If you would tell people that George Washington was against political parties and against foreign entanglement, the conservatives would take his name off of buildings. Right. Uh, get his name like, off the dollar bill. Get he's, it off of there. Is he, Proviet Kong? Put he's Reagan. A communist? Put Reagan on there. What's going on? I really think they would think our founding fathers were filthy left communists or soy something. Boys. Yeah. George Washington, that little soy boy. He did love growing soybeans and hemp. Okay. Marijuana loving, freedom loving. Oh, a bunch of the, I mean, there's, you know, the whole rumor that the, the Constitution was written on hemp paper, which I believe is true. It was oh. a derivative of, of the hemp plant. Mm-hmm. Either way, staying with that theme of uh, heroes of the American Revolution, the fourth president after Jefferson was a man named James Madison. Okay. He is uh, obviously the father of the Constitution in the same way Jefferson was the father of the Declaration of Independence. So your first four presidents were very involved in the American Revolution. And it seems like they were pretty important to the creation of our country. Very important. And James Madison uh, kept it together because you may recall the British tried to get a second bite of the old apple and he had the War of 1812 which the British actually successfully got to D.C. They burned down the White House. James Madison's wife, Dolly, went and grabbed the picture of the painting of George Washington off the wall to save it. And it was a tumultuous time, but the Americans did end up winning. Madison stayed president, and the country continued from there. And even though he could argue he's a wartime president, did he still step down in a timely manner? He still did, and that Mm -hmm. paved the way uh, for the next president, who was the first Non-revolution, he was involved in the early days of the American Republic, but he was not necessarily involved with the revolution. It was James Monroe, another uh, Virginia guy named James. And actually, while he was president, it was called the Era of Good Feelings. The Federalists and Anti-Federalists had mostly worked out their differences. Uh, There, From there, obviously, there had to be continuing compromises with the slave states and the non-slave states. Obviously, that will come back again later. Anti-federalism and federalism, this is sort of a conversation we had na- have now in regards to states' rights, correct? Right. states' rights versus mm. the power of the central federal government. Okay. And James Madison was very involved with that. James Monroe, so uh, not an- as much, but they're starting to hand over the baton. In fact, during uh, Madison's tenure, I believe, uh, 1826, the 50th anniversary, or excuse me, during James Monroe's tenure— 1826, that was the year's the 50th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence, and John Adams and Thomas Jefferson both died on the same day, July 4th, 1826. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it officially ushered in the new era. And in fact, the president after James Monroe was a descendant of the second president, and his name was John Quincy Adams. And they had to throw the Quincy in there so he, people didn't get confused with him and his dead dad. A little Zombie? bit a little nepotism, is it not? It was the first it it's was America. the first case. And and again, we <laughs> okay. had moved on from the American Revolution. So I think Americans felt comfortable with a man like John Quincy Adams to lead the country. Question. Do you feel more or less sure we'll be going to war if the people in power had previous military experience? I always feel mm. like the people who went to war are like, don't want to do that again. Right. And then the people who never went are the ones who wear their gun shirts and the ones, as we always say, what's scarier than a corrupt cop? A person who was too stupid to become a cop, but <laughs> right. really wants to be. Sure. So Security I wa- guards. <laughs> yeah. But even, I guess something like even a Harry Truman, right? Where he's like, well, I'm not weak. I'm going to drop out of the bombs. Right. 
I don't know. I was going to try and use that example, but John McCain was super pro-war. Well, you guys are jumping way ahead. We're jumping ahead. My my brain is currently parked. All right. We still got the child on the bench. Back to 1820s. We're back to to 1820s. I'm just saying, it seems like our first four, they had some military experience. And they were like, let's not do that again. They had revolution experience. Washington had the breadth of the military. And now we're kind of real war. That's that's no robot war. That's a cannonball war. Yeah, right. And And, muskets. mm -hmm. And now we're moving away from presidents who have seen action, or at the very least in uh, in these early years here. it's a good point to make and we, throughout the, as we continue to go through the presidents of our country there will be more generals and it is interesting uh that is a theme that comes up again anti-war right. generals John, so we've got washington we've got adams we've got jefferson we got madison we got monroe and now we're on to quincy adams and dare i say just looking at the picture well the apple didn't fall too far from the tree on that one. No, sir. Those are some interesting-looking elderly babies. They're all frumpy old white men. <laughs> so right. there you go. Buckle up. And up until this point, all our presidents had either been from Virginia or Massachusetts, okay. two states or colonies that were very strong with the American Revolution. So we're talking, we're talking a slice. Uh, it's a... It's a very specific group of people they're choosing mm-hmm. from. Obviously Absolutely. white, but then also from a specific area as well, with a and a specific economic class. I would assume as well. Yes, absolutely. Until our seventh president comes along, and for the first time, we uh, elect a president who's not from one of the original thirteen colonies, and he is a general. He's oh, a military oh. hero. He is controversial. His mm. name is Andrew Jackson, ladies mm. and gentlemen. Andrew Jackson. Fernando, do you want to tell the class why he's uh, controversial? I actually have no idea why. He murdered a lot of Native Americans. Native Americans. That's why I remember yeah. him. Yes, and he, he was very anti-Central Bank. Um, I think he had eventually even killed a man in a duel. Um, he was very insulting. His campaign kind of was the first one to run like insulting campaigns. So he started what Karl Rove would later perfect. Rather, right. and what Roger Stone would later perfect, the art of mud the slinging, mud, the, mud the mud slinging, slinging politics. And keep in mind, before that, it was again, um, once the Federalists and Anti Federalists had worked things out and uh, President and Vice President were on the same political ticket, uh, that was the era of good feelings in America until Andrew Jackson came around and he riled everyone up. So, Jackson, so he ran against a dude and he was like, I don't want you anywhere near me right. after I win. That's right. He was very much an anti Federalist kind of bringing it back, be like, uh, he's from Tennessee, he's from the Wild West. And for slavery, him, for him, prominent. he was very, uh, you know, anti-DC, basically. He was kind of an anti-establishment figure, this so, military renegade. And I guess, because now, obviously, these are just our former presidents. We kind of all think of them almost as a as a similar sort of entity. The mm-hmm. milieu of mayonnaise that mm-hmm. is the American president. So we obviously all think about these people kind of like old, old, crunchy white men who mm-hmm. like Charlie Rose. But was Andrew Jackson <laughs> being elected, not being elected from Virginia or the other state, that must have been seen in a strange way. As, was that seen as progress? It was an exciting time for the country because they were moving to other states that had been admitted to the Union that weren't of the original 13 colonies. So uh, Andrew Jackson was a populist for sure, and that's how he managed to get into office for two terms. But obviously, after you have that kind of eccentric uh, every man in the White House – Americans needed to tone it down a little tone bit. Tone it down. And they went with uh, yet another frumpier fella from the <laughs> the New England uh, area, and that was a man named Martin Van Buren from New York. Martin Van Buren. Now, Martin Van Buren, he had mutton chops. He was the biggest <laughs> and, mutton chops he ever did see. Hair was intense back then, period. Hair, if we do, you do needed we think, to have that to get well, elected. I, I believe that might have been true. Maybe. What happened to the mutton chop? 
<laughs> you imagine if a president would run for office these days with a mutton chop, you would say, get, what is he, the Green Party? Right. What is going on out here? I, I get those mutton chops out He's a Civil War reenactor. Yeah, absolutely. It had to do more probably with abilities to shave or how dangerous it was to shave, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. He was really the first president to sport some facial hair and it really didn't catch on again till you know uh, later on near the civil war so so he brought in uh, a different style to the white house van buren different style and he had a reputation because he was from new york now granted he had worked his way up but he by the time he was elected president he was very well off Mm. so um uh, uh, something happened for the first time in our country it's called the panic of 1837 and what that is Mm. is basically a rush in the banks it's basically a fiscal crisis um, that could or could not have been engineered by the fact that Andrew Jackson was very against the central bank. That is debatable. Mm, but Martin Van Buren comes from this wealthy family. And so when the, the financial crash happens of 1837, it basically dooms his chances of reelection. He ends up actually running against the same guy that he ran against in 1836, but he runs against him in 1840. And that man is of a new political party, <gasps> thus ushering in officially the age of the two-party system in America, Whoa. the newly formed Whig Party. And they went with a former general who uh, was very prominent during the War of 1812 yes. and uh, the Native American Wars happening in the Northwest Territory. His name is William Henry Harrison, ladies and gentlemen, and he is our ninth president. William Henry Harrison. So his accolades were genocide and at this era, people were like, that's a great They're skill. like, it's kind of like he's Andrew Jackson, but not. So let's go for him. The problem was, at the oh. time, he was very old, 69, which at that time was the oldest president who had ever been elected. Oh. He makes a speech on Inauguration Day. It's raining. He catches a cold. He dies of pneumonia well, after well. 30 days in office. So you there know, you go. It's a hell of a way to go. Why not? Yeah, you know, short and sweet. He's my favorite president. I'll say that right now. Absolutely. Keep it short and sweet. <laughs> Wasn't able to mess things up too bad. I mean, other than all the... Uh, Horrible things he did during his life. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, right. Great. They didn't expect it, though, right? Like John Tyler didn't expect this. John Tyler, who ran with uh, William Henry Harrison, William Henry Harrison and John Tyler, the campaign slogan was Tippy Canoe and Tyler, too. That's right. Because <laughs> William Henry Harrison was a war hero at the Battle of Tippy Canoe, and John Tyler's last name was Tyler. There you go. <laughs> so so you did all the work, and I'm Tyler. Exactly. Fantastic. And they're of this newly created Whig Party, which uh, at that point is just a uh, basically a coalition of non-Jackson Democrats, non-Jackson Republicans. There's no real Republican Democrat yet. There's Jacksonians and then there's people who hated Andrew Jackson. And right. that was why Martin Van Buren originally won. He ran against four different Whigs and then the Whigs all got together and said, let's coalesce our power, get behind William Henry Harrison and Tyler. So what Tyler is, What is the platform of the Whig Party? That's what? the thing. It's very cobbled together. It's hard to say. There were some anti-slavery folks in there. Okay. There was uh, people who wanted to uh, scale down the bank or oh. also uh, crank up the bank. And it was a hodgepodge. Okay, but a basically, lot of it was- any, so it was also, I guess, similar to politics today. At least they're not the other guy. Yes, very okay. much, very Ooh, much okay. in, in that vein. And again, it's just kind of cobbling together these different coalitions. Keep in mind at that time, the big things were these compromises between slave states and non-slave states. And as new states were being admitted Ugh. to the union. right. They didn't want to upset the balance in the Congress of it kind of being evenly north and evenly south. And so that continued to be, obviously, as we move forward in American history, a big uh, deal as we lead up to the Civil War. This is, of course, the original sin of America that they are um, attempting to perhaps um, 
reverse or in many places uh, attempting to make sure it stays there. Absolutely. So John Tyler takes over. He's our 10th president. He's actually pretty forgettable. It is interesting. He turned out to be more of an independent. Like when he yeah. actually got in, he actually uh, vetoed a bunch of the Whigs legislation. So he's like <laughs> Whoa, barely away. It's a trap. Yeah. You're not our guy at all. So we, then we swing back to the Jacksonian Democrats. We get another uh, president from Tennessee. His name is James K. Polk. Oh. He perfects the term manifest destiny, which means we're going to oh. keep going west. We're going to keep adding states. My people. Absolutely. Yeah, he remember that? Didn't the, you love um, Manifest Destiny? Yeah, don't blame me for not remembering right. any of these white people. <laughs> he oversees <laughs> the American-Mexican War, which uh, obviously a lot of our the guys who eventually went on to become Civil War generals, they all fought together in the American-Mexican War of the 1840s. So that's all James K. Polk. So he was running as an expansionist. Yes, very much. Yeah. Uh, you know, from the frontier, these Tennessee uh, and political figures in early American As far history. as the campaign... Do you run on jobs? Do you run on like, I mean, that's an interesting right. thing. I you mean, know? you if you look out there, Ben, and there's not, you know, there's land to take. That's what they see. You know I what I mean? I guess so. So James K. Polk, it's a fun name. Manifest Destiny. Manifest, Manifest Destiny, Destiny, man. It's horrifying. Check it oh. out. Yeah. Natives, it's in the book. We wrote <laughs> the Bible. Check it out. The Bible. So after him comes uh, another Wake president. In fact, only the uh, second Wake president. And that is a man. He's also a general. He's also a war hero. He was a war hero of the Mexican-American War. And his name is Zachary Taylor. Yes. Well, and he would like to. I got him here. Fernando, uh, I would like to apologize for killing all your people. Yes, exactly. <laughs> all right, great. So right. So that's your second wig president. Did you accept? Yeah, I get you know. Thank I, you. I, I, wait, is it? Wait, can I even accept? Yeah, you can accept a post mortem apology from someone that doesn't apologize because they're still full of hate. <laughs> no, that's right. And yeah. he's dead. So yeah, there whatever. you go. Uh, unfortunately, well, fortunately for you, Fernando, Zachary Taylor also died while he was in office. Uh, so oh. that's two Whig general presidents who died in office. These Whigs are weak. These Whigs are weak. Mexicans and that's why <laughs> we ended up with a man named Millard Fillmore as our 13th president Millard. after Zachary Taylor, yes. I only know him because of the comic strip. Mallard Mil Fillmore. Mallard it's Fillmore. a talking duck. It's a talking duck. <laughs> it is conservative humor. Yeah. But you know, sometimes he'll hit it out of the park. Well, sometimes he definitely keeps it in the park. And this is an interesting fact about Millard Fillmore. Obviously, he's present for uh, for just a little bit, but he later goes on to join the Know Nothing Party, the Anti-Masonic Party, which was another oh. coalition within the Whigs. There was like this racist contention within the Whigs. <laughs> and then, you know, like a let's ban slavery contention in the Whigs, which is why the political party different. did not last. In fact, uh, the obviously the anti-slavery contingent went and formed a political party called the Republican Party later on. Interesting. But Millard Fillmore, yeah, he turned out to be like the racist candidate later on in the 1850s. So you had that contingent of the Whig Party. So even by that day's standards of what what racism was perceived as, he was like, they're like, that guy really hates black people. <laughs> sure. And Andy yeah. Brown, like that guy hates. He's like a, a real Millard over there. Wow, yeah, exactly. A, so he had to really harness a lot of that. Yeah. And at this point, we are dangerously on track towards a civil war. You got your southern states, your and your northern Ugh. states, your slave states, your non-slave states. And then they had like that middle ground. It was like Tennessee, Kentucky. It was like slavery was optional. It was a very strange. <laughs> Not for the slave. It was exactly. It's a very strange time. But again, That's we're leading. Like 
leading up to a big old powder keg that's about to go Ooh. off. In American well, history. it reminds me of what Fernando said on the last episode when it comes to uh, teaching history of the United States and certain students just being like, I'm going to opt out of that. Yeah. Like, right, you, right. You can't opt out uh, in these moments when <laughs> no. this history is actually being made. If there's um, anyone from Indiana listening out there, you can opt out from the arrest of this terrible American history that is also very accurate. <laughs> all exactly. right. It was just a lot of turkey exchanges and friendly yeah, handshakes from exactly. here on out. I loved all the turkey, although they say they didn't even have turkey at Thanksgiving. What? At the first Thanksgiving, they say mm. turkey was not the food. It's too delicious. That's why. Hey, Mom. First things first. Thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. All right, Millard Fillmore. Yes, up until this point, all of our presidents have either been from Virginia, Massachusetts, New York, or Tennessee. Okay. So finally, America says, let's switch it up. The 14th president, ladies and gentlemen, is a mild-mannered man named Franklin Pierce from okay. New Hampshire. And he is very oh. chill, and he's very not memorable. And that's why we'll move right on to the 15th president, Great. a Pennsylvania senator and a man who is involved with uh, D.C. politics for a while named James Buchanan, who is our... Only president who was never married. He was a hmm. bachelor president. Did he have a roommate? He did. And they did were he gay have together. Bugs? Yes. Uh, <laughs> he was commonly referred to as Aunt Nancy, actually, James Buchanan. Is that true? Yes. Uh, he could James have been. Cannon. <laughs> he could have very well been our only potentially not open. But gay president. Well, I think the next guy coming up also, there's some speculation about his sexual orientation. But you can actually see through the presidents as they're being elected, the expansion of the country. Absolutely. So now we're into Pennsylvania. We're all the way into Pennsylvania. And at this point, uh, it's the 1850s. That's called Manifest Destiny. Yes. Yeah. That's, there you go. Thanks, Paul. Oh, no. Thanks, Paul. Oh, God. Pokes. <laughs> Pokes. Manifest, so at this point, yeah. 1850s, again, we're leading up to some uh, some dark areas. The entire basis of the country up until this point has been about this compromise, this continued uh, basically coming together of the southern northern states. But mm -hmm. eventually it just becomes too much to bear. Yeah. And, well, that, and, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but. Uh, I believe uh, the newspapers and technology had a lot to do with that, right? Because once people started seeing the pictures of slavery, they were like, oh, right. never mind. That is, there is no compromise that we can have anymore. This has to Also, end. the book Uncle Tom's Cabin, which mm. was actual like journalism. It was actually based on Literacy real stories. Too, right? Literacy, too, people overall. becoming more literate. Right. People, you know, again, uh, what happened with the Whig Party is it started to fracture apart as these right. other forgettable presidents were taking the presidency uh the wake party forgettable right except totally forgettable <laughs> that's what they are <laughs> so we're leading up and that contingent the anti-slavery contingent of the Whig party goes and starts the republican party and so you have four different main political parties in the election of 1860 okay and against all odds this tiny 
you know, again, he didn't win he with the majority tiny. of the votes. He ain't tiny. He's either. a tall man He's with a tall big. cap. And we all know that we love his hat on this show. Yes. Abraham Lincoln is elected to the presidency in 1860. He takes over in 1861 wow. to a country that has already decided that it is going to war because South Carolina fires mm. in Fort Sumter December 1860 mm. and thus ushering in the Civil War. And of course, Lincoln from Illinois. So you see the expansion right? of the Union further. Mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln, of course, one of my favorite stats. <laughs> he was a great amateur wrestler. Whoa. Yeah. And he was the rail splitter. He used to be able to like, make fences in a day. Yes, he was a hunk. Yeah, he was a hunk. Daddy. Bearded daddy. If you want some <laughs> hot, hot presidential fan fiction, <laughs> mm. it starts. It starts with Lincoln. Ooh, hubba, oh, hubba. Lincoln, He's a vampire killer, too. According Didn't, to yeah. that comic Did we book. join the Marvel comic universe at this point? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> leave that to the experts at uh, Wizard and the Bruiser. I uh, honestly have no idea. But obviously, one of our country's most consequential presidents. Obviously, half the country goes away at that point. They have a different president. And wait uh, a second. What? Uh huh. I know the Civil War. Uh, Google it, y'all. Google oh, it. It gets pretty ugly. And uh, Abraham Lincoln remains president for all of this. Wow. Uh, he's reelected again by half of the country because there's only half the union left at this point in 1864 he taps another tennessee politician named andrew johnson to be his vice president and basically as an olive branch to say you know tennessee and kentucky were those non they were non-southern but they were like slavery's optional it was like that weird middle ground between the north and the south okay so this was a way to kind of appease both sides and abraham lincoln was saying look the war will end while i'm president and we will rebuild our country he was adamant about it but obviously after he got reelected, he was shot in the head at a theater and Mm -hmm. andrew johnson becomes our 17th president john wilkes booth of course the assassin Mm -hmm. that we all know so it's hard to really understand just how much hatred there was for abraham lincoln because in Mm -hmm. modern american lore everyone loved him and the people, it's the same kind of thing that we do with MLK, where right. a lot of people will now cite him, but had they been around in the same right, era as he right. would have been around, and perhaps they would have had a different opinion. Because um, I can't imagine what a lot of these people who uh, say, who who um, proclaim the Republican Party as the, as the, as the anti-slavery party and the right. pro-Lincoln party, if he was around, I wonder if they would have been so supportive. He died with more unfavorables, just really? like MLK. Really? And that's why the, we look back at these men as so great, because they were very unpopular in their times, but they were fighting the good and right fight. And right. now we look back uh, decades, decades, or centuries, centuries. later wow. and look back and realize that they were right. And Andrew Johnson oh, okay. really did a disservice to the country, to the Lincoln presidency. Um, obviously, the war ended. Yeah. Uh, the the Confederacy surrendered. We started to go into this kind of, you know, piecing back t- the country. Yeah. Um, you know, they they forgave all the Southern soldiers as long as they went back to their homes. Mm. Um, and, but Andrew Johnson ended up being so corrupt in this process well. that he ended up getting impeached by the House. Huh. Um, he was not convicted by the Senate, which is typically what happens in American history. But this is the first time in American history where the impeachment for our president was actually enacted because that's just how uh, corrupt and how many enemies he made right away after Lincoln's death. Was he pulling some like Rob Blagojevich shit? Was he selling seats? What was he? Was it just political corruption? It was It was blatant political corruption. Again, the piecing together of the country again. Um, you have a Democrat, you have a bunch of Democrats and yeah. he's from 
from Tennessee. So basically the idea is that they got to him first and he lost the trust of the Republicans who had put um, him on the ticket and put him in office in the first place. So I that's see. why 1868 comes around and the Republicans are like, we cannot fuck around. We need to grab a general. Uh-oh. And they tapped Ulysses S. Grant, the hero from the last war. So again, you see this trait in American history. We go to generals of the last war to get elected and basically piece together the country, hold it together. And and Ulysses S. Grant's, in his specific instance, he did a great job. He held the American Republic together and they instituted reconstruction, which was basically moved federal troops down to southern states to make sure they were giving black people rights, allowing them to vote. You actually had uh, African-American Congress people being elected from southern states because they were allowed to vote now. Um, You had uh, statesmen, the state legislatures in Florida, Louisiana, South Carolina had predominant black uh, legislators and and the like. So that was the idea was to rebuild the country and start to give um, the the newly released slaves. Keep in mind, this is all brand new to the country. Right. uh, But you're trying to give them the rights that they deserve. And uh, obviously women could still not vote, but black men were now able to vote. Interesting. So we're starting to give uh, at least black men the franchise, parts of the franchise. Parts of the franchise. It's like NFL. Of course, when it comes to, you know, Mexicans, when it comes to Native Americans, there's still, no. there's no chance in hell. In fact, Ulysses S. Grant took Manifest Destiny and put it on crack. That's okay. when you have your your wars, uh, you know, your Custers going out all the way to Wyoming and Montana okay. and South Dakota. You have uh, basically the final frontier. That was a way for the South and North to come together, was mm. to come together, bring back the militaries, join them together, and then go west against the remaining natives. Okay. And that was Grant. And... You know, while he was doing good on Reconstruction, obviously, I would agree, the Native Wars were um, a blemish on his record. But again, he tied together back this country. And unfortunately, all the work that he did ended up getting signed away after the election of 1876. The mm. Republican Party is, is it's, in a, it's in disarray. Okay. Like, Grant was not healthy enough to run again. So it goes to just a different hodgepodge of different Republicans. They end up deciding on another Ohio Republican named Rutherford B. Hayes. He runs against a a Democrat named Samuel Tilden. Mm. And this is the first time another almost constitutional crisis, but this is the first in American history. They virtually tie on electoral college votes. No 185 were needed to win. 184 is where each of the men were at. But we have a constitutional crisis. Right. Florida, South Carolina, and Louisiana have sent two different groups of electors to D.C. (laughs) because all three states either uh, voted for Rutherford B. Hayes or Tilden. So you had uh, basically 20 electoral votes that were up for grabs from Florida, South Carolina, Louisiana. And uh, one set of them are Democrat votes for Tilden, which would have put him over the top. And uh, the other 20 are for Rutherford B. Hayes that would have put him over the top. There's also a rogue elector in Oregon who was, um, yeah, this is crazy American history stuff. 1876, Compromise of 1877. They had Oregon elector who uh, was like a postmaster general and you're not supposed to hold a position with the government to be an elector. So he got replaced, but he was a Democrat and he got replaced by a Republican because the oh, governor of, of Oregon at that time was a Republican. <laughs> okay. So like literally 21 electoral votes are up for grabs. And so we get 
basically to this constitutional crisis and the compromise of 1877. It gets together uh, five members of the House, five members of the Senate and five Supreme Court justices. The Republicans have a one vote edge, eight to seven. And sure enough, eight to seven, they give the electoral votes to Rutherford B. Hayes. But the backroom deal was that the Republicans would end Reconstruction, takes the federal troops out of Florida, South Carolina, Louisiana, thus ending everything Grant had built. And from there, ushering in. 100 Years of Racism, Jim Crow, etc. Whoa. So the compromise to get Rutherford B. Rutherford Hayes, B. Hayes into Hayes office. Caught, like, I would have just gone with the other guy. Right. Yeah, Samuel because the, com- the compromise seemed like pretty bad right. because they just got rid of all of the good things yeah, and that, that was- Grant was doing. So the compromise was like, well... It'll almost be like he's us any. He'll almost be like a Democrat anyway. Exactly. And after that, obviously, once the federal troops were out of these southern states, Republicans never won those states again. A lot of the black legislators' seats were lost. Uh, The poll tax, uh, all the other uh, obstacles to voting that we know about basically came to be after the federal troops left the South. Well, you know, that's a good reminder. We talk about progress like it's permanent. Things can slip nope, back at nope. any time. We look at what's going on in Texas. We see, you know, just modern society um, just seeming like we talked about freedom, civil liberties on the last episode and many episodes before that. Just because they were here once doesn't mean that we can't go and be regressive. And that's an interesting thing. Yeah. Because Grant was like, yeah, we're going to reconstruction. We're going to start, you know, giving these, you know, states what they need. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, screw it. Right. It's I mean, go right back to the pre-Civil War. Up until that point, keep in mind, during those pre-Civil War years, during the Great Compromises, one of the things they did was they allowed slave populations to count towards a congressional count. Right. But it was three-fifths of a person, That's the right. three-fifths compromise. It's just insane these assholes had the audacity to sit there and debate how much of a human being another human being was. but. Right. It's American history. It is fascinating. Um, we talk about this all the time. What, the filibuster. I mean, what's the back and forth right. about the filibuster? If they take it away, will they just have complete power when right. they come back? So mm-hmm. this has been going back and forth. Yeah. That's and obviously, um, you know, skipping again to a head to modern times, the January 6th, the idea that the Republican senators and congressmen wanted to fight for and Trump's people wanted to fight for was a backroom compromise similar to the 1877. They were saying. Yeah, but they didn't tie. Exactly. In fact. Because of the compromise of 1877, that's because we had no real blueprint yet for what if we have a tied electoral college. At that point, they decided, I mean, obviously, it can still go to the Congress and then the majority party there will probably just pick their candidate. But at that time, that's when they decided that the electoral counts that are officially signed by secretary of states, et cetera, that that is to be determined solely by the states. And then given to Congress and the vice president to only count. And that is why. So at this point, they were starting to realize that a coalesced massive amounts of power in small within small institutions might be corrupt. Right. And also electoral college votes should only be debated by that state and the federal government should not okay. you know, pick. Because it gets messy. Exactly. It gets messy. And it did from there because from there we basically are entering uh, the 1880s, 1890s. And this is the Gilded Age of politics. This is when. Basically, from here, a lot of powerful, rich people essentially take over, right? Okay. So, But you also have a lot of forgettable presidents tucked in here. So after right. Rutherford B. Hayes, the Republicans go for another very messy convention. I believe uh, this was like the 18th ballot vote. They pick another Ohio Republican named James Garfield. Okay. He hated Mondays. He Whoa. loved lasagna. <laughs> He's an orange cat. He's an orange cat. But I he gets shot and killed Wait. within a few months. I'm sorry. Wait, what, to, what happened? Yes. Uh, this kid, he didn't have nine lives, man, unfortunately. 
unfortunately, he Odie, was just a man. Did Odie do it? So another cat replaced him then, right? Uh, a, cat, a big old cat named Chester A. Arthur, who, bringing back mutton chops, Chester A. Arthur was certainly king of that. Yeah. Uh, he. Uh, well, this was a nice time when being fat meant you were royal. Right. And you, were, you, like, had money, you had yeah. money. But yeah. like a lot of these vice presidents, you know, at this point in American history, we have multiple vice presidents having to take over the presidency. Right. Chester A. Arthur was not ready for it. In fact, he got very sick during his presidency. Again, they went for another messy Republican convention where, uh, you know, he wanted to to run again, but they didn't let him. And what happened other, was- Buddy, you, you haven't started to run yet. You're huge. <laughs> exactly. And that's when we, uh, our first encounter with a Democrat from New Jersey named Grover Cleveland. Whoa. That's right. Grover. He has nothing to do with Cleveland, Ohio at all. But his name is Grover Cleveland. And He's from New Jersey. He also does not live in a garbage can. He is not a puppet or <laughs> right, well, that's a Oscar, muppet. Oh, but, that's Oscar. Yeah, but well, Grover, Ray, Grover flies around. He lands in some trash cans. Okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool. So oh, Grover yeah, Cleveland, Grover you know, he's uh, whatever. It's the Gilded Age. I don't think anyone really... You know, it's a different time. Now you got your Republicans and Democrats. You basically still have your your South rooting for Democrats, uh-huh. and but they would make um, concessions with Democrats in the North. That's how you got Grover Cleveland. But then Grover Cleveland runs against a man named Benjamin Harrison from Ohio, who is William Henry Harrison's grandson. Okay. And you know what happens? What? Grover Cleveland loses. Whoa! I know. And then Benjamin Harrison is another forgettable president. And then you know what happens? What? He runs against Grover Cleveland. And guess what? what? He loses. He loses, and Grover Cleveland's president <laughs> again. Grover Cleveland, the only man to ever become president twice in two separate terms. Stupid Ooh. question, but is is that what Ohio is that what Cleveland, Ohio is named after? No. Okay, there we go. <laughs> named for Moses Cleveland. There used to be an A in it until a newspaper headline couldn't fit the whole city name in it, so they <laughs> dropped the A and now it's just Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah, it was like a Cleveland. Oh, like a Cleaver. Cleveland. Yeah, like leave it to Cleaver. <laughs> yeah, Cleveland right. better. So we're at, to, we're at we're to up, up to 24, Cleaver. right? Wow, 24. And All America's right. just like, you know what? Grover Cleveland was fun, but let's give a dumpy Ohio Republican one more try. <laughs> and by one more try, I think there's a few more in there. This guy's name was William McKinley, and yes. he was elected in 1896. Boo. He was elected again in 19. And he is shot and assassinated and killed in 1901. Wow. I know. So are we now officially in the era of Republican v. Democrat? At this there's point, no more wigs. There's no yes, more because during the Gilded Age, because the the Carnegies, the Rockefellers, mm. the 1880s and 1890s had such extreme wealth, much like the wealth inequality we're we're looking at now. Mm. Um, it was that's why they called the Gilded Age. Uh, Vanderbilt. For, it like for some, it was a great time. It was a great time for the oil barons, <laughs> the railroad barons, the steel barons. These people built modern American society as we got into the 20th century. Well, um, and let me just correct you there. We built that's America. Right. I mean, not yes. me. Absolutely. Mostly, probably. They um, harbored the wealth, and but that is what led to the Progressive Revolution, which uh, led to a lot of third-party candidates that were populist, progressives, and pro-farmers' rights, workers' rights, and, as we lead into the early 1900s, socialism. I think we're fully away from like the British monarchy is what it seems like the Whig party and all those things were remnants of mm. a very like royal blood or mm-hmm. we deserve manifest. And this is this becomes now where it's like more American merit. Yeah. Right. Yes. And in fact, the Gilded Age, all of these men that we just went over, they were attached to rich people and the rich people basically ran the political parties much like we have now. They ran both political parties. But the death, the assassination of William McKinley ushered in something else that was new. A vice president who became our 26th president named Teddy Roosevelt. Whoa. He was a horse-riding, war hero, colonel, 
in the mm. uh, the Cuban American War, I believe. He was very involved with the Spanish American War. He was okay. a hero from there. And he was a governor of New York. And the Wall Street folks, the fat cats, the Gilded Age folks, were like, this New York governor is such a pain in our ass. <laughs> Tack him to the presidential ticket, make him vice president so he's got no power, and get him out of here. And that's right. what they did. And then Teddy Roosevelt becomes president. Yeah. And Teddy Roosevelt- Be careful what you wish. He responds to this populist message, the progressivism, the socialism. He he redesigns conservatism to mean equal opportunity for mm. people no matter what your class is. He busts monopolies. He busts a lot of these big, powerful companies and banks. He stands up to them because he's an everyman, even though he came from a, a, a socially well-off family, the right. Roosevelt family in New York. So well, Teddy Roosevelt kind of changes the game as we go into the 20th century. There are some funny stories. Of course, he had the uh, the whistle stop uh, story, correct, yeah. where he was shot. Yes. And then he also Oh, that, to, that was later during his 1912 run. Oh, okay. We'll get mm -hmm, into that. Mm -hmm. But I know he was a, he was an outdoorsy kind of guy. Yeah, he, he was like the stuff. last president who was still camp and stuff. Uh, when I was working in Wyoming, we dipped into South Dakota, and they have this all these pictures and plaques that where Teddy Roosevelt stopped on one of his whistle-stop tours. Oh. And he was supposed to have like lunch with all the socialites and wealthy people in town. Instead, he rode horses with all the cowboys and the guys building the railroads. All right, you know, exactly. Every yeah. man, yeah, he was. I'll a, take it. He, you know, the teddy bear is attached to him. Mm -hmm. uh, he coined the Folgers uh, motto: "Good to the last drop." Is that right? He just, you know, he was a guy. Wait a second. How did he? There. Wait, he worked for Big Folgers? No, he just liked coffee. <laughs> Good to the last. Drop. Exactly. He drank all of it. That's what I say every time I take a piss. Speaking of a man who <laughs> drinks everything that mm. he was given, it was uh, Teddy Roosevelt's friend who he actually turned <laughs> over the presidency to as the Secretary of War. It was another Ohio Republican, and his name was William Howard Taft. Yes. And he becomes president. He takes over for Teddy Roosevelt, and uh, he becomes president there in 1908. And, and? Uh, he apparently does such a bad job. The most <laughs> famous thing he's he's known for is that he got stuck in a White House bathtub. Yeah, I was going to say, that's so what I mean. Is that for. true? We don't know. Okay. It's just a fun thing to throw at another <laughs> shitty Ohio Republican. And he didn't do anything other than that. So like that's the story that just sticks with him because they're like, that's the story or you got no story at Absolutely. all. Absolutely. I mean, it was a tricky time to balance the progressives, the rise of the progressives, the rise of socialism. You got Eugene Debs starting to lead his coalitions. So uh, William Howard Taft ruins everything. Teddy Roosevelt's so mad that he comes back <laughs> and he runs for president again in the election of 1912. Okay. Now, since 1860, we really haven't seen such a multi-partisan presence in a presidential election. 1860 had four parties, and then you pretty much have just two parties up until 1912 when you have Teddy Roosevelt leading the newly formed progressive Bull Moose Bull Party. Moose. <laughs> and he's running against his old friend, William Howard Taft. They didn't speak for years after that, obviously. They did eventually make up. And then a Democrat progressive named Woodrow Wilson, who was from Virginia, and he was president of Princeton University. And because Taft and Roosevelt split the conservative and progressive votes. Mm. Democrat Woodrow Wilson's elected in 1912. Now, Woodrow Wilson, he seems controversial even by today's standards. Absolutely, because he wanted to get involved in World War One. He kind of he did the dance, kind of like Biden. He's like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to get involved with World War yeah. One. World War One started in 1914 while mm -hmm. he was president. So it just kind of happens. By 1916, he's running for re-election saying, I don't want to get involved. And then 
what happens is he goes big progressive and he essentially uh, he institutes the Federal Reserve, which mm. is very controversial to libertarians. Very he institutes the IRS, which should be very controversial to everybody. Absolutely. Um, and then gets us involved in World War One and then starts to push for a League of Nations, which is a precursor to the UN, basically, as a way to never have war again. But Americans saw it as a early attempt at globalism, basically. So this is the final kick to the skull of George Washington's ideals. Yeah, no. Basically, exactly. this is like we're going to go entangle ourselves in foreign wars. We're going to have an IRS. We're going to have a Federal Reserve. We're going to have two parties. Yeah. We're going to make sure that nothing our great George Washington ever wanted comes true. Absolutely. And that's but why, why don't we ever talk about that. Well, a lot of people, and especially on the libertarian side, re regard Woodrow Wilson as one of our worst presidents because yeah. he did globalize. He did go big military. He appeased to the big bankers with the Federal Reserve. And then the bigotry. And and then, so, and then uh, he got his, his closet bigotry. You know, yeah, maybe yeah. he doesn't need his name on all the buildings. That's and, the thing. And there was a pandemic during this time, too, right? At the tail end of all of it. So yeah. 1912, wow. 1916, Woodrow Wilson wins. Uh, he also throws Eugene Debs in jail uh, for sedition, which what? all Eugene Debs did was speak out against the war. He spoke mm. out against World War One. So a socialist who, again, is wow. leading these workers' rebellions, these workers' revolutions at the polls, is put in jail for being anti-war. So Woodrow wow. Wilson, I God would say, forbid. very controversial. Pandemic ends the decade. The war ends in 1918. That's when the pandemic's happening. So when 1920 oh rolls God. around, is, people have had it with the Democrats and progressivism and Woodrow Wilson. Is Are we in Woodrow Wilson That's what I was going to say, literally. Folks, we never left. <laughs> Let me tell you. Folks, we got a child here with us. <laughs> uh, we're in tomato. a time uh, continuum. I've seen the Woodrow Wilson documents. I feel like we are uh, in the Wilson, we are in a Wilson era. If you think about it, really. It because, ushered uh, in the entire 20th century, and you think about it, everything wow. from the, those pivotal years from 1912 to 1920 really did shape the rest of the century. Okay. And that's why in 1920, America was once again, and thank God for the last time, went to a dumpy Ohio Republican. <laughs> All right. Oddly enough, two Ohioans were running for president in 1920. It was the, the, uh, a, Dayton media mogul named James Cox, who was governor of Ohio, Cox. and a Marion, Ohio media mogul named Warren G. Harding, who was a newspaper man, and he was the U.S. senator from Ohio. So it was the U.S. Mm. senator from Ohio versus the U.S. or the Ohio governor. And in this case, again, people were sick of the Democrats, and Harding ran on a campaign to return to normalcy. So he won Interesting. in 1920. He also pardoned Eugene Debs. That was one of his okay. first acts. He thought that would be a good way to usher in normalcy. Yeah. And uh, then it turned out his cabinet was incredibly corrupt. They right. were involved in all kinds of scandals. Uh. They were said the teapot dome scandal. They were just What's selling off. What's the teapot land. dome? You know, you'd have to Google it. It's just, it's a big <laughs> scandal. There's <laughs> not enough teapot on my tea. You know, yeah, for a nation that dumped tea in the water, then uh, the administration became very involved with the teapot dome scandal. Americans have a real heated history with tea. Well, Warren G. Harding. Do we just, like it? Do we not? He was a, you know, I don't know. He was a dumpy guy who probably didn't really understand what he was getting into. And so also as someone who comes from more of a sounds like a CEO background, mm -hmm. once you have to go and your word is not bond and you're right. like what is this whole politics thing i just said that i wanted the bathrooms to be solely <laughs> for women right and the 1920s you see this from republican presidents throughout the whole roaring 20s decades is that they were very hands-off and they let their cabinet do everything in harding's case the cabinet was corrupt uh harding ends up dying actually mm. in 1923 he doesn't even make it 
to his second term. So as vice president, an even do less than nothing guy named <laughs> Calvin Coolidge from Vermont didn't want to be president, didn't want to be vice president, and he basically took the whole summers off. Uh, he did run for re-election under the you know after Harding had died, yeah. and he was president from 1924 to 1928. But he hated it, and he put a guy, his Secretary of Interior named Herbert Hoover, in charge of most things. Yeah. And so in 1928, Herbert Hoover runs as the Republican candidate, and then he wins. Vertical promotion. But yes. then Herbert he- Hoover seems horrified. Yeah, because his hands-off Republicanism approach in the Roaring Twenties doesn't work. Wealth inflates, and then we are hit with the Great Depression, which starts officially in 1929. That's how oh. the Roaring Twenties end. It happens on Hoover's watch. Imagine the worst economic depression in history uh-huh. in America, and that's what the Great Depression was. Oh, Ooh. fantastic. Yeah. Even a name as hip as Kelvin Coolidge. Yeah, or Herbert Hoover. And they both had Herbert Hoover. They both had, uh, uh, you know, uh, first name, last name. Starts with the same letter. That's cool. There you go. <laughs> if I was going to say, like, who's our first black president, I would say Calvin Coolidge. But, it's cool. um, <laughs> well, just because the name. Right. But uh, he is real white. No, yeah. They He's call very him, white. They call him Silent Cal. He even hated talking. Like, there was the, the classic. <laughs> you know what kind of, oh, man. The, the, There's a part of that I like. The classic bit where a woman bet him at a dinner party that she was like, I have a bet going with my friends that I can make you say more than two words tonight. And he's like, you lose. And that's all he said. The entire the night. night. That's I, all he said. I believe that was at the end. He's like, you lose. You lose, bitch. No, he couldn't say that. <laughs> he bitch can't say Because the bitch. that's more than two words. That's so there right. you go. That's Classic something Freddy Krueger would say. So Calvin Coolidge, a silent. Yeah, and hands off. President. And then Herbert Hoover, as the Depression hits, 1929, he's still hands off. He thinks the market's going to correct itself. He oh, yeah, s- yeah. says government interventions, not necessary. Hoovervilles start popping up all around cities. People are out of work, out of their homes. It's literally the worst economic crisis in American history, which and paves the way for the next president of the United States. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. And just looking here at my Google spreadsheet, oh, okay. one of the differences I'll see from 1933 to 1934 
is the pictures are now in color. Yes, they're so now in times color. Times are changing. Yay. Times are changing. But also, meanwhile, in Europe, it's changing too. World War One did not end the evil that lurks in Europe. And mm. of course, in the 1930s, there is a mm-hmm. new political party in Germany rising as well. But because the Americans are so focused on the Depression, also, they after World War One, you know, it did not go well at all for the Americans. They didn't want to entangle themselves. There's a return to that Washingtonian... Right idea that no more entangling in foreign wars. So Franklin D. Roosevelt, a, uh, a relative of Teddy Roosevelt, he was actually the vice presidential candidate who ran against Harding in 1920. Mm. It was Cox uh, Roosevelt. It was back when he could still walk. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that footage. hi So Franklin D. Roosevelt runs in 1932 to fix the country. He gets reelected again in 36. He gets reelected in 1940. Then the nation goes to war in World War II. He yeah. gets reelected again in 1944. Four time, four time, four time he, U.S. president. He, he ran and got elected four different wow. times. And was anyone, I mean, obviously, maybe we would just speculate, but at some point, people must have been like, well, he's running a lot, huh? He so was very popular. <laughs> I guess he's just going to keep on. Run- I mean, we know for a fact, I think, well, I don't know. But I think if Obama could have ran for a third term in 2016, he would have just won. Yeah, he would have been like, right. thanks for the show, guys. Right. But we're just going to go with that guy that we know, mistakes and all. Well, and this is the interesting thing about Franklin D. Roosevelt, because up until this point, it was only courtesy set by Washington yeah. to serve mm. two terms max. And Delano Roosevelt, he was like, I'm very popular. I'm doing a great job. I'm just going to keep running. But after, obviously, he gets reelected in 1944. He actually dies before World War II officially ends in 1945. In, in office. In huh? office. Another one in office. Another one in office. Okay. So his vice president, a man named Harry S. Truman, and his middle name was actually just S. There was no name to attach to it. <laughs> he was the vice president. He becomes our uh, next president. He becomes our 33rd president. So how many presidents now have died in office? Five? I've lost track, but we could go back and count if we want to. It seems like no matter what, let's just say it's around five. It seems like if a job that I was going in for was like, by the way, one fifth die. Yeah. Uh, in the yeah. job. Oh, like, you know why am, I, why am I? You know what? I'm good. No, when you go through the actual, there's many people who are just vice president, which again was a pretty um, unpowerful position originally, right. um, especially once they you know made it where you run with a, a political ticket. There's a lot of vice presidents who end up being president. I think it's stressful. It's a I'm very starting stressful to think job. this being president thing but is stressful. To the point, Franklin Roosevelt, after he'd passed away and Harry S. Truman, the Republicans were in control of the Congress, and that's when they finally set the constitutional parameters that every president will only serve two terms. So that was Truman. So until then, it was courtesy. After Franklin Roosevelt, it was law. Truman loved well, it was the Republicans twos. in the Congress that basically put okay. everything through. And of course, when we say uh, this is a stressful job, there's nothing more stressful than being a slave. Um, so that was the most stressful job. Exactly. Right. And uh, someone who was you know, suffering in this country during, Absolutely. These, during this and, time period. And like you pointed out, or you alluded to earlier, Harry S. Truman, it's hard to say what his exact legacy was. No I one mean, liked he's him, piecing, right? Am I, am I, uh, he's piecing together a post-World War II world, okay. but he lets Stalin get away with too much, which leads to the cold, beginning of the Cold War. Uh-huh. He allows for the intelligence state to begin. The NSA mm-hmm. as gets started. The CIA gets mm-hmm. started. Um, okay. A lot of these old uh, military intelligence agencies basically get formed into actual commissions and bureaus and agencies within the American the government. Communists. But it's all in exactly the rise right. of the Red Scare. 
scare. I mean, uh, Harry S. Truman, he gets reelected barely in 1948. You remember Thomas Dewey? Dewey, Dewey defeats be, yeah. Truman. He held up the newspaper. It was back in the days, you know, well, I guess we're still in those days where we don't know the exact president the night of. <laughs> but Truman went to yeah, bed okay. thinking he lost it. He woke up realizing he had one re-election. What a Christmas morning for him. And he's president till 1952. But you got to look at everything that happened in there. And it was the precursor to a lot of the global militarism. This is, again, post-World War II. At this point, America, the people in charge of our country at that point, are convinced that if we don't police the world, we're going to end up with World War III. Right. And so is again, giving up a lot of liberties in the name of security. Okay, as we still uh, deal with that mm -hmm. on a regular basis today. And so as a backlash to that, Harry S. Truman, obviously, he's stepping down after 1952. And so the Republicans, who have not held the presidency since 1932 at this point, right? Um, because of the, the Roosevelt legacy, they're like, all right, we can't screw this up with another Dewey. <laughs> so they got to no piece together a coalition of a very popular man in America named Dwight D. Eisenhower, another general from the mm. war that just happened to finally a war that you can be like, oh, all right. I guess that yeah, one's fine. Right, right. right. But he's bringing the nation together. He's a New York Republican. He uh, is assigned a, a very hot and heavy up and rising California <laughs> senator named Richard Nixon to be his vice president. So they join together the two coasts and Dwight D. Eisenhower, who has never been elected to a public office before. At this point, he's just president of Columbia University in the same way Woodrow Wilson was president of uh, Princeton University. Right. And Dwight D. Eisenhower wins the election of 1952. And, you know, people think of the 1950s is a pretty peaceful American Decade, white picket fences, leave it to Beaver, you know, the the post, um, the baby boom, the post-World War II economic uh, resurgence. Uh, but, you know, there was also desegregation happening. There was, a, there was a, a lot of things happening in the nation at this time. There was Sputnik. There was the continuing of the Red Scare, the yeah. Joseph McCarthy hearings. All this is happening in addition to Eisenhower's presidency. Which and so I guess the brand of America at this time was family values. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. was like picket fences, There's have a, a nice nuclear family, that. mm -hmm. and that's the brand of America at this time. But interestingly enough, as Eisenhower left his presidency again um, at, at the end of his term, uh, 1960, his farewell speech, similar to George Washington, he warned against the yes. military-industrial complex. He warned against... The more money we spend on bombs and planes and tanks, we're taking away money from schools and from roads and yeah. from people who need it. He built can... the highways. The Eisenhower Highway uh, System is the one mm. that they essentially built in the 1950s. So he was kind of like Roosevelt, this Republican who believed in infrastructure and domestic spending, and he stood up against foreign alliances. You can only imagine what uh, what he would think if he was birthed right now back into reality mm -hmm. with, again, $770 billion <laughs> yeah. being the request from the Biden oh, God. White House, and we know we're going to give him about 800 Eisenhower said, God help the next man who sits in this chair who knows less about the military than I do. Wow. And, and the that's next about man everyone. who sat in that chair was a man named John F. Kennedy uh, who ran on the new frontier. He was young. He was energetic. He was a World War II hero. Yep. And he ran on this new energy that we are going to work towards a new America. 
And uh, obviously, we all know how that turned out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got suicide. He got uh, suicided <laughs> by his wife. We've all seen the video. Well, interestingly <laughs> enough, and obviously a deep dive on JFK, we did that on last podcast on the left. Some speculation it may have just been a hungover Secret Service agent right. who still, fired his gun. Maybe it was Oswald. There's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. And, you know, it's a very controversial but very but, fascinating presidency because it was so brief but filled with so much promise and then cut short so tragically. And again, when we talk about uh, – like, uh, what was someone's vision of radical? The fact that he was Catholic was hard for him right. to overcome. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, the people were like, running the country? Literally, what? Herbert Hoover ran against a Catholic named Alfred E. Smith, the Al E. Smith dinner that they do for presidential yeah. candidates every four years. Uh, he was a Catholic. He was governor of New York. And the smear campaigns, the anti-Catholic <laughs> campaigns against him in 1928 were so crazy. They eat blood. They drink blood. They and thought he'd have a, a secret phone line from the Vatican to the White House. Basically, <laughs> that's what they said he was it is possible. So Kennedy overcame a lot of that, obviously. Then he got shot. Lyndon Johnson, his Texas Democratic vice president, again, becomes president. And he is far more of a controversial president because he gets us into Vietnam. Yeah. He also loses the South to the, to the Republicans because he signs the Voting Rights Act. Yeah. Um, you know, he just and then he's just a controversial get in your face, vote my way or the highway. I'm going to whip out my dick at the urinal. (laughs) He was just very like, and told dirty jokes all the time. Well, he would piss in front of reporters constantly. Yeah. He He would always whip his dick out and piss in front of reporters. That's why they call the dick uh, Johnson is because of Lyndon Johnson's (laughs) legendary big dick. And of course, Lyndon Johnson, qui bono, he definitely benefited greatly from the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people speculate that the 64, 65 voting and civil rights acts wouldn't have passed. Without the martyrdom yeah. of JFK. A lot of things they got to, because Johnson brought in the Great Society. He ushered in Medicaid, Medicare. Um, Social Security had already been a thing uh, implemented by Franklin Roosevelt. Mm. But Johnson, again, kind of expanded this, this social programs right. uh, from the federal government. So a lot of libertarians hate him for that. A lot of progressives hate him for the war. He opted to not run for re-election in 1968. And instead, a Republican who had previously been vice president as well, Ran and that man's name was Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon, and he again ran on this return to normalcy. They were protesting in the streets. You know, 1968 was a lot like modern times as well. We just had protests in the street. We were at war, and Richard Nixon ran on a return to normalcy. And of course, um, that definitely meant that new war was the new normal, Mm -hmm. because certainly he didn't do anything to to de-escalate that once it became politically advantageous for him to continue the. Air quotes conflict yes. in Vietnam, despite the fact it was just one of the worst. It is the worst foreign policy blunder in American history. One hundred percent. They expanded into Cambodia unnecessarily, um, and it, you know Nixon. You, when people think about bad presidents, they mostly look to Richard Nixon well, because thinking- he was so then corrupt, and then Watergate, and then he had to resign. He was the first president in American history who just had to straight up resign. And now, of course, Watergate is almost cute. It's cute. Now. <laughs> it's, mostly, it's mostly the uh, the uh, Vietnam War, the uh, the CIA, COINTELPRO, the rise of the intelligence state that happened with Nixon. That's, you know, there's so many reasons not to like Richard Nixon, but it seems like Truman and, uh, and Wilson, those are the ones who expanded 
the the uh, CIA, the intelligence state, the military industrial the complex, size of the federal government, the size of the federal government mm-hmm. the most. Mm-hmm. Well, Nixon did his fair share, too. He created the EPA. Mm. Um, you know, he took America off the gold standard. I fucking find that so ironic. Uh, he yeah. created the Environmental Protection Agency. <laughs> well, we're spraying everyone with Agent Orange, creating <laughs> yeah, yeah. new chemical weapons. Misdirection, uh, Ben. A lot of misdirection. Johnson Nixon and Johnson. And, Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. All right. Nothing. Gold standard. That yeah, alone. He took us off that. that. alone misdirection. <laughs> And, but he then he that. said that we might go back on it at some point, but like, I don't think that's going to happen. He also said, I am not a crook. Yeah. <laughs> I deserved everything. I, I earned, earned everything, everything I got. got. And right. in fact, he was a crook and he had to resign. And then for the first time in American history, again, someone who is not remotely on any presidential ticket as a vice president or president becomes president. And that's Gerald Ford right. because Gerald Ford was Speaker of the House, a Republican from Michigan. Is that how he got that's there? That's how he got it. So Spiro Agnew is Nixon's vice president. He had to resign first. Gerald Ford took his place and then Nixon resigned and then Gerald Ford took his place. So Gerald Ford basically becomes president uh, with no votes cast. And <laughs> wow. so when he runs for re-election 1976, <laughs> everyone's like, a fuck are you? No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> He's also you. Uh, very clumsy. There's got a lot of bits of him on SNL where Chevy Chase is falling down. Yes. Jerry Ford. But the sad thing is, I believe it was Michigan. He was a running back and he was very he athletic. Was actually, yeah, very good. Yeah. He but he did. An, you fall down a couple of steps. You could be a good athlete and a shitty president. And Jerry Ford checked both those boxes. I mean, still, people make fun of George W. Bush, mostly for the pretzel not for all the war crimes. Right. Well, and speaking of pretzels, nothing goes better with pretzels and peanuts. And that's, that's right. who Jerry Ford lost to is a peanut farmer from Georgia named Jimmy Carter, oh. who was a very sweet mm-hmm. man. He's still alive and he's still very sweet. But uh, his presidency did not go well. It sucked, Gas right? prices uh, soared. He had problems, you know, foreign uh, Saudi Arabia policy problems. What might be happening now. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And um, so, you know, he was only president for four years and that closed out the 70s. The election of 1980 uh, had a guy who had run for president before, but he didn't get it. So he just silently waited his turn. And his name was Ronald Reagan. Nancy? And we're going to make America great again. Oh, really? That's your campaign slogan? Yes. I hope it never gets reused. Absolutely. (laughs) So now when it comes to the... the United States, we're already, now we have a president in, from California. Yes, now, is California this the first Republican. Time? So we've done it. So that, like, mission complete. We have we've presidents got a president from all from over the country. All over the country now. Point. Yes, yeah. Well, Manifest Nixon, Destiny Nixon was already from California, too. Okay, was he? So okay. they were both California Republicans. And, uh, you know, but yeah, Reagan was, like, governor of California, very popular. He was president of SAG. That's how his political career got started, was mm-hmm. Hollywood. Oh, my God, I thought I was president of SAG. Hello. Hello. So the 80s are here, and people like me and Ben are born, and it's a weird time because, again, things are like economically going well, but then also like they're basically beginning the new fleecing of American workers. This is when you yeah. start to see uh, CEO pay go up. You start to see companies go abroad. Prison industrial jobs, complex. Why not? Rise of the, the drug war. The We're in the royal complex. family age of America. Very too. much so. And in fact... Uh, Reagan, to your point, Reagan's mm-hmm. vice president runs for president, and um, you know he does not appoint a president, even though Reagan probably had Alzheimer's by the end of his first, his second term. Yeah, George H. W. Bush, the vice president, runs, and he he wins in 1988. He's president for four years. Is he the culmination of the power that the intelligence state? Like, mm, it, like right, finally, the intelligence state got ambassador- their man. Yeah, he was ambassador to China. He was head of the CIA. He was, uh, he doesn't remember where he was on November 22nd, 1963. Oh, George H.W. Bush <laughs> has been around. So if you're the intelligence state, you're like, that's yeah. our boy. We finally got one in office. And many people felt he was secretly the president during Reagan's administration mm-hmm. anyway. Right. But either way, kind of like Carter, 
he gets into a bad economic situation there in the late eighties, early nineties. No even new though, taxes. Even Desert though storm. He, he yeah, he wins the Which you could argue he handled with uh with more uh, class than his son did. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He knew not to go into Baghdad then and to just get out after uh, basically I think a month in Kuwait was yeah. how long that war was. Well Bill nonetheless. Hicks, Bill Hicks is a fantastic joke. We lost sixty six people. He's like I mean oh, seventy seven, yeah, 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 yeah. Something like yeah, that. Yeah. Anyways, a great Bill Hicks joke about how not many Americans could have sent one guy. In this is an important time for me because I was what five or six years old, mm -hmm. and everything on the news was tanks and yep. war. And oh, from yeah. here on yeah. out, I feel like I've never not seen tanks oh, in the news. Buddy, I thing. mean, and especially now today, especially now, what 30, 40, 30 years now, it's yeah. as intertwined in American history as presidents is war. We were born a war. We're still in war, and, and they were Lord just, knows we love war. They were just showing stock footage on all networks and all over the media of mm -hmm. missiles flying. I mean, we, we've seen a lot of missiles flying, but again, we have to follow the missile and that we have to see what happens after the explosion. Absolutely. And then say, was it worth it? Yeah. And in fact, I would say after George H.W. Bush, we're firmly in our still modern political era. I think things have shifted post-Trump, obviously, but Bill Clinton is kind of your run-of-the-mill corporate Democrat. We had him for the rest of the 90s, 92 to 2000. Then we had the controversial election of 2000, Al Gore. Lost. He was vice president of Bill Clinton. He lost. George W. Bush, governor from Texas. He won. 9-11 happens. Florida. The world changes forever. Homie yeah. Cheney. Right. Mm -hmm. Homie Cheney. Again, probably secret president behind mm -hmm. the president. Yeah. And of course, Bush is so bad that yeah. that gives us, we swing back to the left with a, a, a fun Democrat from Illinois named Barack Obama, the first black president in American history. Yeah. And then, of course, after him comes uh, the pendulum swings right again to an orange president. Or whatever it swung to. I don't even the know. The first orange president in American history, <laughs> Donald Cheetos. Trump. Progress. 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 And then, of course, Trump loses. To another or did he? <laughs> to Joe Biden, who is yeah. now our 46th president. And that another is all 46 president. presidents. It's fascinating. You go through them and it's like... 80% uh, of them don't matter. Right. <laughs> yeah. Who do you think are the worst? I if you mean, have to say your top five worst presidents, and then maybe you could uh, say who you like the best. I mean, Nixon obviously was so corrupt he had to resign. That makes right. you real bad. Do you uh -huh. think that Nixon, with the Watergate scandal, um, do you think he do you think he regretted his decision to resign afterwards almost like Al Franken no or was he like I made the right choice yeah he knew it was the right choice in fact when Clinton was getting impeached in the 90s Nixon and Clinton formed an unlikely friendship oh they did Roger Stone takes credit for making that happen but you <laughs> never know congratulations you never Roger. know with Roger now I put that pedophile with this war criminal <laughs> regular see what Cupid. I can do yeah yeah exactly but you know Clinton like relied on so Nixon did end up being kind of a confidant and advisor for future presidents but then he he died during Clinton's presidency mm. because Hillary Clinton probably killed him, obviously. Thank you very <laughs> much. Obviously. According to Roger, but Seth you never know. Don't you dare talk to Bill. <laughs> exactly. So there you go. As you're going to all the mattress sales this weekend, yep. keep in mind all of the presidents, including the forgettable ones. I would say Millard Fillmore. Don't like him. Uh, William Henry Harrison, only president for 30 days, so you really don't even get a chance. It's almost like, uh, you know. Uh, Chester, Alan, Arthur, you're out of here. Who cares about mean, you? He didn't do much. I'd say James Buchanan, not because he was gay. I ain't no homophobe, but he did leave the country unchecked as we ramped up to what was obviously going to be a civil war. Yeah, I don't like a lot of them. Now <laughs> Martin Van Buren, you're out of here. Well, John he Taylor, nice. you're out of here. He seemed fine. <laughs> We're in such exciting times because you look at all these lists, and mm -hmm. now, for the first time ever, there's was a black man and now there's a black woman 
Absolutely. We're, we're we are finally moving. Yeah. It is like the slowest moving wheel of progress well, is it the is, executive branch. It is funny. Again, just, you know, doing your just just search on Google U.S. presidents and it's black and white for a long time. And now we're in color. And now hopefully um, the country is too. the country. Well, we just want the president to be reflective of the nation as a whole. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, because mm-hmm. as we see when presidents are a little disconnected. <laughs> I don't care uh, if they're purple. Just do a good job. Please. Just do a good yes, job. Please. So anyway, well, thank you so much for that president's so day smart, update, Travis. Travis. Thank you. Second grade Travis is happy to be here. Second grade. Folks, Travis did a great job. Wow. Just, you got an A Oh, plus, thank you. Thank you, a, Alex. It's really great to be on the program. And, an you. A plus for Travis. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, I hope everyone enjoys their president's day. I don't really know what you do to celebrate. Um, Barbecue. Stay away from. Don't do anything a president does. Yeah. <laughs> don't know? don't get stuck in a bathtub. <laughs> yeah. But do get stuck on a new mattress. <laughs> oh, have fun with it. Well, thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today.